Hello, friends, and welcome back to Equity, the TechCrunch podcast, where we unpack the numbers and the nuance behind the headlines. Today is Monday, March 27th, 2023, and that means, yes, this is the last Monday show of the quarter. I hope that you have hit all of your OKRs and that your KPIs are simply gorgeous. Now, there's a lot of big news this morning, so enough from me. Let's get into it. And we're going to start, as we always do, with money. So what's going on in the stock market? Well, shares are mixed in Asia today, down in China, up in Japan. Over in Europe, stocks are up, perhaps on a lack of new bad banking news. And here in the US, shares are set to open higher. Now, why? Well, there is some reporting that deposit outflow from smaller banks is slowing. That's good news. And it could indicate that the overall market is calming down. Really, frankly, a good sign for a domestic economy that is had its fair share of ill tidings lately. What's helping stocks this morning? Well, small news, but news that matters. After mass cuts to its staffing, Salesforce has come to an agreement with an external investor that had been pressuring the company. And in what I presume is related news, over the weekend, Salesforce's COO said that there may be more cuts coming. So the bleeding has not yet reached a staunching point at this particular big tech company, and I presume at others as well. And while the trad economy has been nothing if not turbulent in recent weeks, crypto had a pretty chill weekend. And from a price perspective, pretty chill week. Price movements for one and seven day intervals amongst major cryptocurrencies are remarkably flat and therefore boring. And meanwhile, the NFT boomlet does continue to deflate. And that's kind of the weekend in crypto. Now, let's talk banks. And when I say let's talk about banks, what do I mean? Well, I really mean Silicon Valley Bank or the entity formerly known as SVB. So SVB news from this weekend. Well, First Citizens is buying the commercial banking assets of Silicon Valley Bank. That means 17 SVB branches will reopen as First Citizen branches today. All SVB depositors now have a new bank that they work with. And here are the details, all the numbers, if you will, via the American government condensed slightly for all audio clarity, and I loosely quote, if you will. As of March 10th, 2023, Silicon Valley Bridge Bank had approximately $167 billion in total assets and about $119 billion in total deposits. Today's transaction included the purchase of about $72 billion of Silicon Valley Bridge Bank assets at a discount of $16.5 billion. Approximately $90 billion in securities and other assets will remain in receivership for disposition by the FDIC. In addition, the FDIC received equity appreciation rights in First Citizens Common Stock with a potential value of up to $500 million. The U.S. government estimates that the failure of SVB will cost the FDIC Deposit Insurance Fund around $20 billion, a large figure, sure, but hardly enough to break that particular bank. Sorry for the pun. Here's how TechCrunch's Manish Singh summed up the path to the sale in case you kind of forgot how we got to today. And I quote, there is significant money at stake here, but with depositors and confidence continuing to be shaky, it's taken weeks to get a deal done. And each passing day arguably has devalued the assets a little bit more. So to get to a sale, well, the FDIC had to run two auction processes for Silicon Valley Bridge Bank previously and unsuccessfully. It had to modify what it was selling, including breaking up the assets. It's brutal, man. 
With whatever's left of Silicon Valley Bank now out of the commercial banking business, I suppose that this is the end of the institution as we knew it. I'm still in awe of how fast all this went down and how changed the banking landscape is now for domestic startups. And now a section that I'm calling Other Critical Tech News, and we're going to start with TikTok. France has banned the app on government devices, along with other entertainment applications. Sure, other apps are involved, but the TikTok discourse is changing how governments interact with tech companies more generally, and especially those based in China. And not to be too bold, but none of this really implies that we are heading towards a more open and collaborative future between the tech industry and global governments. And next up, my favorite social media service, Twitter. A chunk of Twitter's source code was recently posted to GitHub. It was then taken down following a request from the Elon Musk-owned company. Do recall, of course, that Musk promised to open source the tweet recommendation code that Twitter uses on the 31st, which is later this week. Maybe the leaker just thought they were trying to help out. Anyways, in other Twitter news, the company is worth less than $20 billion, according to Musk, a figure calculated by several outlets off the value of stock grants that the company is offering certain staff that remain. And I'll just say this, $20 billion? Yes, much less than $44 billion, but probably still a little bit generous. And then just a little bit more on Salesforce. I know we mentioned this at the top of the show, but just hear me out. TechCrunch's Paul Sawyers wrote this morning the following. Activist investor Elliott Management won't be proceeding with plans to nominate its own directors to Salesforce's board, citing improved performance and a clearer, quote, focus on value creation from the enterprise software company. So this really is evidence that mass layoffs will, in fact, at least in certain cases, get activist investors off some tech companies' backs. Giving up on nominating its own directors to Salesforce's board is a huge coup for Salesforce and sends a signal to other companies that, sure, if you want to stay in charge of your own company, it needs to be smaller. As I wrote for TechCrunch Plus over the weekend with Ron Miller, the layoffs will continue until investor morale improves. Finally, last Friday, we got our hands on a new IPO filing from car sharing service Turo. That's T-U-R-O in case you didn't know. Somewhat lost in the venture slowdown and a rather annoying dearth of new IPO filings, Turo is actually keeping its own offering alive. The company filed privately to go public back in 2021 and released a public S1 filing for its IPO last year. The latest filing includes the company's results for all of 2022, and frankly, they seem pretty good to me, based on a first read. More to come here, but it appears that while we've been considering Reddit or Instacart as the potential starting guns for a return to venture-backed public offerings, we may actually have been looking in the wrong place. Asset light, growing, and with an interesting profitability story and a lot of private capital invested, why couldn't Turo kick off this year's IPO cycle? Now, I'm going to dig more into the numbers after we get this podcast recorded, but it's worth noting a couple of things. One, not all unicorns are in trouble, just a lot of them. Two, we probably don't know today what Turo is worth, given that it's not a traditional, I don't know, B2B SaaS business. So if it does go public, it will provide an interesting valuation mark for the market. And if it does go public, we'll also get a pretty good vibe for what profitability is really worth today. Not that I'm excited at all, you know, about a return to the IPO market. Not that I've been lusting and thirsting for years now. Turo, do me a solid. Hit go. 
Well, we're out of time, sadly, but I do have a couple of quick notes for you. One, if you're going to early stage in Boston next month, I'll be there and still need a ticket. Use the code equity. I believe it'll save you some money. Also, if you need TechCrunch Plus access, code equity will make me look good twice. You can follow this show on Twitter. We tweet under the handle equity pod. I tweet under the handle Alex because that's my name. And we'll talk to you soon. We have great shows planned for both Wednesday and Friday and next week. All right. Hugs. Bye. Equity Mondays are hosted by myself, Editor-in-Chief of TechCrunch Plus, Alex Wilhelm. We're produced by Teresa Locansolo with editing by Kel Keller. Bryce Durbin is our illustrator. Alyssa Stringer leads audience development. And Henry Pickovet manages TechCrunch Audio products. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll be back next week.